Hey there, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get the gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions, such as how do I get my show on Spotify and all the other places people love to listen? How can I make money with this podcast? And where do I want to host this show? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors so you can get paid to podcast. As an Anchor user myself, I love how easy it is to upload my podcast and the fact I can get to Spotify and other platforms. Plus, I love the fact I can now start making money with my talent and my podcast. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. It's the madness of the month, and it's hitting the Sunday area hard. Just how hard? I'll tell you about it after the break. Welcome to the Gem on the Queen's Crown, an adventure taking you through the terrain of Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, the iHeartRadio app, TuneIn, Stitcher, as well as Pocket Cast, Acast, Anchor.fm, Radio Line, Radio Public, Player.fm, Spreaker, Podbean. Pod Chaser, Overcast.fm, Beyond Pod, Podbay.fm, Listen Notes, the and the host, GemCitySports.com. Music is provided by FreestockMusic.com. Now, please join your host for another exciting episode of the Gem of the Queen's Crown, Lee W. Mowen. episode number 34 and it's about the madness of the month sorry about taking the week off last week but i don't want to get into details about it but everyone is okay and i do have something very special planned for episode 35 if you've seen the news on it on my twitter account which if you're interested go follow me the lee w mallon or if you've seen it on the gem city squadron facebook page you know what episode 35 is going to be. If you haven't yet, then don't look, I guess. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But it's nice to be back podcasting. It's nice to be back with you, the listener. It's nice to be talking the madness of the month. You might be realizing that I'm not saying the exact phrase because I read somewhere that if you say it, you might be sued or cease and desisted. And I don't really want to chance that. So there we go. Because this podcast is, you know, done with love and care and gear I already bought like years ago. So let's get started. You know what month it is. You know what time of the year it is for college sports. And it was hitting the Sunday area 
pretty darn hard for men's and women's. Boys and girls basketball in the state, we're heading to the final four of the four regionals. College baseball and softball started in town, and that's a great thing. Now, the great thing would be if the weather could cooperate and give us beautiful days like we had, you know, Sunday the 18th and Monday the 19th. But, as a PA announcer, I have no control over that. I just, you know, I just announce. Before we begin the madness of the month... Congrats go out to the following teams. The Division I champs for girls swimming, the Mason High School Comets. The boys swimming champs, the St. Xavier Bombers for boys swimming. Graham and the Falcons are the Division II state champs for wrestling as a team. And the boys bowling Division II state champs are the Mechanicsburg Indians, which is out towards the Columbus area. Congrats go out to those four squads. And I am a week behind. This script is a little outdated now. But also congrats go out to the district champions. We'll start with girls basketball first for Division 4, Tri-Village, Covington, Fort Loramie. Division 3, Summit Country Day, Waynesville, Williamsburg, and Versailles. Division 2, Franklin, Tippecanoe, and Bellbrook. And Division 1, Walnut Hills, Lakota West, Mount Notre Dame, and Mason. For boys basketball, we'll start with Division 1 this time. Wayne, Springfield, Princeton, and Moeller. Division 2, Cincinnati Hughes, Trotwood, Madison, and Woodward. Division 3, Deer Park, Madeira, North College Hill, Purcell, Marion. And Division 4, Springfield Catholic Central, Rushi, and Fort Loramie. Congrats go out to all those squads for becoming district champs. So let's go ahead and jump back into college basketball. And I'll be quite honest with you, I haven't filled out a serious bracket in ooh, a couple seasons now, I guess. I mean, I make the joke that, you know, all I do on my bracket is pick not Ohio State to win it, and then there we go. You know, I'm, I'm like one for one. Well, actually one for two. Buckeyes did beat South Dakota State. I don't know why I haven't filled out a bracket. Just, eh, I don't know. I feel like if I put money on it, I lose the money. And money's tight nowadays. And I don't know. I just want to catch as much of the action as I can. And thank goodness around here it is, you know, the local stations have their teams, of course. And there are feeds for the other games around here. So that's that's pretty nice. Your local teams making the big dance, Wright State Raiders, the Horizon League Tournament Champs, the Cincinnati Bearcats, and the Xavier Musketeers. Bearcats, the AAC Regular Season and Tournament Champs, and Xavier, the Big East Regular Season Champs. For the first time ever, the Musketeers were a number one seed. Cincinnati was a number two seed. And Wright State was a number 14 seed. But that's not the only three teams that got involved in March Madness. Northern Kentucky, as the regular season champs of the Horizon League, they went into the NIT and got matched up as the number 7 seed against number 2 Louisville. That's a good regional battle right there, Louisville versus, you know, Northern Kentucky. And Miami was in the CBI, the Red Hawks under first-year head coach Jack Owens. And we'll talk a little bit about the women's bracket because there is a lot of local teams that made 
postseason tournaments as well. Dayton, as an at-large bid, they fell to eventual Atlantic 10 tournament champs in George Washington. Excuse me. As you know, Dayton got an at-large bid. The number 9 seed took on number 8 Marquette, and Marquette pounded the Flyers by 20-plus points. That was a tough loss, but that was a very talented Flyers squad, and Coach Green mentioned that she's very excited about the future of Flyers basketball, as you, a fan of Sunday Area Sports, should be too. We'll touch on women's basketball after we cover all about the men's basketball brackets. Being a week late, again, sorry, you might already know what happened, and Cincinnati fans are calling this Black Sunday. Not only did Cincinnati lose <clears throat> to number 7, Nevada, but I believe it was number 9, Florida State, that came back and beat Xavier in two major upsets against the Queen City. Cincinnati had a 22-point lead at one point against Nevada. Is it Nevada? There was an article saying that there's a way saying Nevada, and I'm better hearing it rather than seeing how to say it. That's why even if I get a pronunciation guide, I'll always ask, hey, how do you say that? Just to make sure I have my bases covered. So let's start off with the first round, shall we? Wright State versus Tennessee. The Volunteers were the number three seed. And I was excited to see Wright State back in the big dance. First time since my freshman year in college, which would be 2007. And the Raiders had a tough time shooting the ball in that contest. And Tennessee ended up winning it fairly big. It was the biggest win out of any of the first round games for a time being. By uh, terms of margin, I should say. Still proud of my Raiders. I am a proud alum of Wright State. I'm still proud. They battled. But Tennessee was a great team. Now on the other side of Wright State's bracket, uh, Loyola Chicago, which is a former Horizon League school, and this is their first trip to the big dance since 1985. Loyola in the Horizon League, they were never top dog. And it's funny because Ramblers, their logo is a wolf too, just like Wright State's. Not to, you know, say that it's not a squirrel. <laughs> no. Uh, but, yeah, Loyola Chicago's mascot is a wolf, and they're called the Ramblers. As a, as a member of the Horizon League, I think the highest finish they ever did was third, and that was the year Wright State went to the big dance over Butler. They won, they won the tournament at their own place against Butler, I sat home and watched it on ESPN. And, yeah, it's great to see Loyola get this success. Not only did they beat Miami on a last-second three-pointer, I believe, but they beat Tennessee on a last-second shot. So the Ramblers are in the Sweet 16. It's very nice to see a former Horizon League team do well. So congrats go out to Ramblers. And I believe they have number 7 Nevada after the Wolf Pack's win over the Bearcats. So like I mentioned, Wright State fell in their long game. 
They're 0 for 3 in the big dance. They faced Indiana, Pittsburgh, led by head coach Jamie Dixon, who's now at TCU, and now this Tennessee Volunteer Squad, which is led by former Texas head coach Rick Barnes. The Raiders 0 for 3 in the big dance. They have won a couple games in postseason tournaments and as a Division One member. Um, I just got that on time hop, actually. It's a good thing I decided to record my podcast this Tuesday. Otherwise, I would have forgot that. But no, the Raiders beat Tulsa a couple years ago, back in 2015, I believe, in the CBI. Beat them by 20, 72-52. So, tough loss for the Raiders, but still proud. And I hope the students of Wright State are proud of their athletics teams. So now we move on to Cincinnati and Xavier. They are the other local squads in the big dance. Cincinnati, as the number two seed, had a battle with number 15, Georgia State, led by former IUPUI head coach and Dayton native of Ron Harper. And I always like Coach Harper. If you remember, he was the one that celebrated when Georgia State pulled off those upsets. Oh, God, how many years ago was that? He was the one that fell out of his chair after he hurt himself. <laughs> I like Coach Harper. Um, previous to the UC battle, mentioned that, you know, the Bearcats got to eat all the time at Jeff Ruby's Steakhouse. Jeff Ruby? Jack Ruby? Man, Jeff Ruby's Steakhouse. And mentioned that his Panthers of Georgia State ate Wendy's. So, that was funny article I read in the Cincinnati Inquirer. The Bearcats ended up winning that game. Georgia State had a lead for the majority of the first quarter, and then the Bearcats picked it up, took that game, and then they faced number 7, Nevada. As I mentioned, the Bearcats stormed off to a 10-0 lead, and then had a 22-point lead early in the second before the Wolfpack chipped it away, and... Bearcats' last possession, they didn't get off a good shot. So that was a major upset, and the Bearcats, I know the Bearcat fans, devastated. I mean, look at my timeline, I just, ooh, it was tough. And then Xavier played a little bit afterwards. For some reason, I thought they were taking on Radford. But no, they took on Texas Southern. And the Musketeers reached a triple-digit mark, or a century mark, I guess, in points against Texas Southern. And then they had a battle with Florida State. I believe the Musketeers led by two at the half, and then led as much as 12 before the Seminoles came back and won it. So that means all the Sunday teams are out of the big dance now as we head into Sweet 16. I think the biggest story right now of the big dance is uh, UMBC, which is the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, upsetting number one, Virginia. I had a gut feeling that Virginia wasn't going to go far in the bracket, and I'm not trying to be like, oh, the Cavs do this all the time. No. I remember before the tournament started, I got the notification from the score, which is my app of choice on my phone, about sports. Normally, I try to keep it local teams around here, but sometimes they get national news. Uh, the sixth man, the first one off the bench, 
they got a wrist injury and wouldn't play for the entire tournament. So I was like, mm, I don't know. I don't think, well, 16 being a one, that's the first time it's happened in men's basketball tournament bracket history. Uh, it's happened in women's basketball 20 years before as number 16 Harvard beat number one Stanford in 1998. And as people show those pictures, it's weird seeing it in black and white. It's like, but wait, it's 1998. But, I don't know, it, that doesn't matter. So, you have two 16 upsets over ones. Now, the first one for men happened. But, Coach Tony Bennett, very, very graceful about that defeat. Gave law credit to the Terriers, and boom, UMBC's Twitter became an internet sensation. I saw one of my followers saying that, does anyone think that they're annoying? And normally I do. That's why I don't follow the Blue Jackets account anymore. Just like, okay, I want to know about my sports. You know, cut the cutesiness out. And I know I'm probably going to get a lot of flack on that. Like, you don't like anything fun. It's 34 episodes. How do you not know that by now? No. Um, but, yeah. Um, the sweetness of... 17 minus 1 teams, baby. I didn't say the exact phrase, so you can't sue me or cease and desist me on it. Anyway, so that's your look at the big dance for men's basketball. We'll take a look at how Norfolk Kentucky's game against Louisville did. They lost a lead late in the third, and the Norse could not recover. And the Cardinals moved on. The number two Cardinals moved on. Norfolk Kentucky played Louisville quite strongly, and in fact, this is not the first time Norfolk, Kentucky played the big schools of Kentucky close. What was it, last year that NKU made the big dance and gave Kentucky a scare? It was only a seven-point win for the Wildcats of UK? No, Norfolk, Kentucky's got a pretty good squad. And I was hoping they'd move on past the first round of the NIT, but it was not meant to be. And the Everschool making postseason tournament were the Miami Redhawks. They got in the CBI against the Fighting Camels of Campbell. I love that name. If you recognize that school's name, <clears throat> you might recognize it from when the Dayton Flyers play their football schedule. Campbell is one of the Pioneer Football League members. It was a shootout, and the Camels came on top 90-80 over the Redhawks. So it was not respected tournaments were Xavier and Cincinnati and they had quite the tremendous year a good year overall for these schools very happy see that Southwest Ohio's got strong college basketball and next year I hope to see more of the same maybe with more teams involved I guess the only real Southwest Ohio squad not involved with postseason basketball were the Dayton Flyers. It was a tough year. I mean, Coach Anthony Grant coming in his first year at the helm, a former Dayton Flyer alum. I guess a former Dayton Flyer. He's not a former Dayton Flyer alum. Whoop. A former basketball player for the Dayton Flyers played alongside Roosevelt Chapman, who, if you ask most of the Flyer base, I think they'd say, you know, one of the top players in Flyer history. Well, back then, history, that we're talking 80s now. That doesn't matter. Again, you have 70 points per game out of your graduating class. 
And I think Mark Schlemmer on Wing 1410 even brought up the fact that if Archie stayed, what would happen? I mean, maybe McKenna Wright wouldn't transfer out to Colorado before the season? I don't know. I, I don't have a crystal ball. If I did, then I'd pick the lottery numbers each and every time. So, I hope to see more local college basketball soon. And of course, they'll start later on in the year. Now we move on to women's basketball in the playoffs. I know there was a couple squads making the WNIT, and one of them happened to be my Wright State Raiders. They fell to Toledo last Friday, knocking the Raiders out. Still a good season for the Raiders. Like I mentioned, the Dayton Flyers were an at-large bid. Ran through the regular season, regular season champs. The A-10 lost their last game at St. Louis. I was surprised that the home game against St. Louis went to 100 points for the Flyers in that win. It was like 25-something. And then St. Louis turns around and beats them at their place, which is Shea Fitz Arena at the campus of SLU, or SLU, as most people say. Around here, anyway. Flyers went 15-1 and in regular season play in the A-10, beat their first opponent in the A-10 tournament against Richmond, then fell to George Washington, who ended up winning the whole tournament, the whole kit and caboodle. Flyers got an at-large bid, took on the Big East Marquette Golden Eagles, formerly the Warriors at one point in time. Flyers had a lead, I think, in the first quarter, maybe even the second quarter, but then Marquette turned it around and it was out of reach once the Golden Eagles sore, and Marquette ended up winning that game by a considerable margin. For the Miami Redhawks, the women also got in the WNIT and took on fellow A-10 foe of the Flyers, the Duquesne Dukes. Duquesne pulled away and took that game away from the Redhawks, meaning that now the three schools I mentioned for women's basketball playoffs are now 0-3. for Raiders and the Redhawks fall in the WNIT, and the Flyers fall in the women's big dance as we head down south on i-75 and check out the other three division one schools cincinnati also earned a wnit trip uc fell to michigan state and neither xavier nor northern kentucky's women's basketball squads made the postseason tournament it's sweet four times four basketball baby that's my best uh dick vitale impersonation and also not saying the actual phrase, in case, you know, yeah. So we move on from college basketball, now we move on to Ohio High School basketball, where, I believe, the Final Four set for the state title. We'll start off with Boys Basketball Division 1, and the Final Four teams will be the Archbishop Moeller Crusaders, Lorraine, Pickerington Central, and Solon. And Solon and Muller are ranked 1 and 2, respectfully. Muller has Lorraine, the Crusaders 25 and 3, opposite Lorraine 22 and 5. And this will be played on the 23rd of March, a couple days from now, at 515, the Jerome Schottenstein Center. You know, the Value City furniture guy. And the other battle, which will be the same night at 
will be Pickerington Central, representing Central Ohio against Solon. Like I mentioned, Solon is ranked number one in the state, 26-1 and overall, against Pick Central's 18-8 and record, and the winner of that game plays for the title. Just to tell you how Muller got there throughout Division One, they have taken down Springfield 65-44, Wayne by 65-53 margin, both those games at the Centos Center at Xavier University in Cincinnati. Wayne was ranked number three at the time, a very close battle, but Muller pulled it out for a 12-point win, and the Crusaders are in the Final Four in Division One. Wayne got to the Muller game by beating Princeton 56-49, and that's Region 4 in Cincinnati. We'll cover Region 3 Columbus, as like I mentioned, Pickerington Central is representing Central Ohio. They took down Dublin Kaufman 58-38, and then Hilliard Bradley 43-39. Hilliard Bradley ranked number 10 in the state, by the way. They are now 25-2 and after that loss. And those games were at Ohio Dominican University's gym. That's a nice gym. D2 school by Easton. Very nice. Very nice place. In Region 2, Solon representing the Cleveland region. They beat Shaker Heights 83-76. And then Copley 81-60. For the Akron slash Toledo region in Region 1, Lorraine went through St. Edward took one overtime to do it, but beat St. Edward, 72-69. And then St. John's Jesuit of Toledo, uh, 47-44 Lorraine. And that's how Lorraine's representing Region 1. There you go, your Final Four. can't believe it's Final Four time already. You blink and the season starts. It wasn't that long ago where it was just 20-game season. Then there's the playoffs, but then they stretched it out to 22. I think I wrote this on my blog which, if you want to go all the way back to it, it's the LeeWMallon.com. Maybe it's the Registered Herald that wrote about it, that Coach Tony Osberger at Twin Valley South was talking about how the extra two games, you can have your own tournaments and you know bring people to your gym. That's pretty cool. It's something you don't really get to think about. So now we move on to Division Two in boys basketball. Load that beautiful bean footage. Here we go. Your final four teams in Division Two, representing the Kettering region, will be Trotwood Madison, and they will take on Byesville Meadowbrook. Byesville. I learn something new every day. This is the Athens region, so southeast Ohio. And Trotwood Madison's path start off with a win against South, seventy-nine sixty. That's not Twin Valley South. Is that Pickerington South? I don't know. I honestly don't know. That's a good question. All these games were played at the Trent Arena, which I think is a 5,000-seater at Kettering Fairmont High School in town. The Rams beat South 79-60 and then took down Hughes 84-74 before I got into college basketball madness of the month. I think you can figure out what I'm talking about, but... I mentioned that, yes, Woodward was one of the district winners. They fell to Hughes, who was also a district winner, 68-46. Hughes fell to Trauma Madison, 84-74. And Trauma Madison has Byesville Meadowbrook. And this is March 23rd at 10.45 in the morning at the Jerome Schottenstein Center in Columbus. 
Again, Value City Furniture guy. And no, I don't have a sponsorship from Value City Furniture. So that would be cool. Do have two stores in Miamisburg and Beaver Never mind. So Meadowbrook's path, Region 7 of Athens, looks like this. They took down Fairland by a score of 60-57. And then John Glenn, the school, not the astronaut. Rest in peace, John Glenn. 36-31. John Glenn got to that game by beating Unido Unido 65-29 so Meadowbrook versus Trotwood Madison and that will take them to the final state title match on the other side is Akron St. Vincent St. Mary and Lexington we'll start off with Region 5 Canton St. Vincent St. Mary yes the same school that LeBron James was at their path was a 57-41 win against Riviere, and then an 84-69 win against Villa Angela St. Joseph, who beat Lakeview 74-59, their first regional battle. For Region 6 in the Bowling Green area, it was Lexington beating Wasson 52-46, and then Bay 65-64. Bay beat Beechcroft, who was number 2 in the... Division 2, 67-59. So it's Akron, St. Vincent, St. Mary, and Lexington. And the winner of that will take on the winner of Trouble Madison and Byesville Meadowbrook for the title. Division 3? I thought you'd never ask. It looks like this. You have Cincinnati Deer Park representing Southwest Ohio. 27 and nothing Wildcats and their opponent will be Cleveland Heights Lutheran East. On the other side will be Canal Winchester's Harvest Prep. We had a Wright State Raider from Harvest Prep. He lasted one season before transferring out, but I remember that quite well. And Afrocentric out of Columbus. So two Columbus area teams will square off in Division 3 again at the Schottenstein Center. And this will be 5:15 for Lutheran East and Deer Park against, and then 8:30 will be against Harvest Prep and Afrocentric. To tell you how that path went, Deer Park took down Purcell Marion overtime, 81-70, and then Madeira 65-55. Madeira knocked off North College Hill 70-56 to set up the battle with Deer Park, and that's why the Wildcats are winning Lutheran East, who in Region 9 of Canton. They took down Triway, 60-57, and Canton Central Catholic, 46-37. Canton Central Catholic was coming off a 39-36 win against LaBray, who's ranked 4 in Division Three boys basketball. We look on the other side for Harvest Prep, who's 28-0. The Harvest Prep, or Harvest Preparatory, as it's listed the other side, don't think I've ever heard preparatory, but yeah, it's short for prep. Never mind. Harvest Prep, who's ranked number one in Division Three, took down Wheelersburg, 78-60. And then Garraway in one overtime, 59-53. Garraway took down Oak Hill, not to be confused with Oak Hills of Cincinnati, 52-39 for that battle against Harvest Prep. And down in Region 10 for Afrocentric. The Nubians took down Carey, 62-40, and then Archbold, 42-39. Archbold beat Ottawa-Glandorf, 
to set up the battle with Afrocentric Early College, as it's known before the Final Four battles. So again, for Division Three, Final Four is Deer Park versus Lutheran East out of Cleveland Heights, and Harvest Prep out of Canal Winchester against Afrocentric of Columbus. And in Region 4 to wrap up boys basketball regionals, representing the Southwest Ohio area, will be Marion Local out of Maria Stein, which, if you want to split hairs, that's Mercer County, and some people don't see Mercer County as Southwest Ohio. I do, because it's part of the Miami Valley. Marion Local, 23-4. and four. They took down Springfield Catholic Central, 55-33, Good season for the Irish, ranked number 10 in Division 4. And then the Flyers took down Fort Loramie, who's ranked number 4 in D4, 62-47. All these games happening in Kettering's Tran Arena at Kettering Fairmont High School. So the Flyers of Marion Local will have Pandora Gilboa. At least I certainly hope that's how you say it. People from up north are probably laughing at me now, but I never heard it, so... I heard how it's said, I guess, is the proper term. So Pandora Gilboa's path looks like this. They're 24-1. They beat Mohawk, 50-31, and then Crestview, 70-58. So that will set up the battle on March 22nd at 2. This is the first game that's not March 23rd that I mentioned, by the way, at the Jerome Schottenstein Center. And on the other side, Berlin Highland, who is the host of the big girls basketball tournament during the same weekend as flying to the hoop here in town. Berlin Highland, 23-5, and has Willoughby Cornerstone Christian, ranked number 9, and Berlin Highland, ranked number 8. So for Highland, they took down Fairfield Christian Academy, 64-23, and then Peebles, 63-31. Peebles took down Dawson Bryant, you know, not just two people, but a school. You can stop laughing now. I know I won that, but funny. But Peoples won that 47-46 before falling to Highland 63-31. This is Region 15 of Athens. Pandora Gilboa is representing Region 14 of Bowling Green. And like I mentioned, Marion Local representing Kettering. For Canton, it's Willoughby Cornerstone Christian. Their path looked like this. They took down Rittman 56-41 and then took down St. Peter's, who is the number one ranked team in Division 4, 72-56. St. Peter's beat Ace Canton before setting up that battle, 68-56. Again, for Division 4, to wrap up boys basketball regional talk, it is Maria Stein's Marion Local taking on Pandora Gilboa. Winner of that game takes on the winner Berlin Highland and Willoughby Cornerstone Christian for the D4 state title. And that's your look at boys basketball brackets in the state of Ohio. We now move on to girls basketball, which unfortunately the tournament has ended and we have state champs to talk about. Again, this is more central Ohio than Sinday, but I like to talk about it as this is a big tidbit of news. Pickerington Central won the state basketball title and that's in Division One, and that was their seventh. That's the most in Ohio high school girls basketball history. So congrats go out to Pickerington Central and the Tigers for that accomplishment. They beat Solon 
and there are stats or a box score, I guess is the proper term, from that game. And you can find this on Twitter at OHSAA Sports, just like what I'm doing right now. Leading score for that game for Solon was 15 points was Valencia Myers, and 16 points to lead all scores. Mass and Green of Pick Central, Tigers 28 and two, Solon 26 and three. For Division Two, it was Toledo Rogers beating Gilmore Academy 51-37 for their first D2 state championship in girls basketball. Congrats go out to Toledo Rogers. For Division 3, it was Afrocentric winning their sixth girls basketball championship, which is tying the state record for most, was, until Pick Central won their seventh, so that's second. That's 13 titles between the two Central Ohio schools. That's pretty impressive. Afrocentric won 53-47 against the Versailles Tigers. It was a tough loss. I know my friend and guest on, what was that, episode 28-29, You're in Tiger Country, Scott Ward, uh, Versailles graduate. I know that loss was tough, but still a good win for Afrocentric. Versailles fell in that game. And for Division Four. It was Minster taking down the Big Green of Autoville, 63-48. So congrats go out to the Minster Wildcats, another state champion for the MAC. One of the toughest small school tournaments, or one of the small school conferences out there in Ohio. So that's your look at girls basketball. I mentioned boys basketball earlier in this, and now it's time to jump back into collegiate sports and talk a little bit about local college baseball. It started here, don't you know? If you follow me on Twitter, you're not surprised or, you know, you're not surprised to know that we've had a couple games. Dayton Flyers, Wright State Raiders, that's the two teams I PA for. I'm very proud to be the voice of two Division One baseball schools here in town Flyers now 3-1 and one at home they split a doubleheader with the Ball State Cardinals just last weekend split a four game pack with the Cards took the first two games and then the second two games by the Cardinals of Ball State the Flyers are doing pretty well so far in the season like I mentioned 3-1 and one at home which would be wins against Eastern Michigan, Hartford, and Ball State, and a loss to Ball State. They're back home today, so if you're listening to this right now, and it's, what is it, March 20th, go out and see the game at 3, unless it's canceled, and I haven't looked that up yet. This is probably first in podcasting history. Someone's checking to see if he still has a game or not. But, like I mentioned, Dayton Flyers, today at 3 is now been canceled. So the Flyers and the Bulldogs game will not happen today. Again, a podcasting first. There's been no make update, so right now it has been canceled. Might be made up later. Here's hoping. A lot of games today have been postponed. I know Wright State softball is supposed to take Toledo on, and that's been pushed back. 
I think Sinclair's game's been pushed back today as well. Flyers do have a home game scheduled for tomorrow against Bowling Green, but wait and see how that is. I always feel like college baseball and softball are probably the toughest sports to announce because not because it's the actual sport and the players. No, I'm talking about the weather. If you don't have an inside park or you're in the north where the weather is <laughs> wild, to say the least, you know, it makes it tough. I mean, you got to be pretty flexible of your schedule. But you know what? I wouldn't trade it for the world because they're good kids out there. Dayton and Wright State have good teams. And I hope you do come out and see these teams. For Dayton Flyers baseball games and softball games, they are free. For Wright State games, there's just 5 bucks a piece. Or if you're a Wright State student, use your darn Wright One card and actually watch a game. Please. Lums begging you here. You should go out and see these teams. They're good. So no game today, as I just found out and retweeted. Lee W. Mallon on Twitter again. Again, I don't know why that made the podcast, but it certainly did. The Raiders have just dropped one game at home, like the Flyers have. Wright State's already started on conference play. They took two out of three against the Oakland Golden Grizzlies, which, if you don't know, no, not from California, from Rochester, Rochester Hills, Michigan. Hmm. Probably should have looked that up before I said it, but... You know, Oakland out of the Detroit area. The Golden Grizzlies have two head coaches. I didn't stutter, and I didn't make that up. They have co-head coaches. One is Colin K-Line. Yes, member of the K-Line family. If you're a Detroit Tigers fan, you know that name by heart. And also Jackie Healy, which if you followed Horizon League Baseball around the time I did when I was in college, Healy is a former Youngstown State Penguin who still has baseball in Horizon League. Thank goodness we have at least six. You have to have six teams in your league in order to have an automatic trip to the big dance of baseball. Which I guess would be a trip to the regionals. Don't know why I said big dance. Normally you say big dance for basketball, but it is the madness of the month, baby! If I haven't lost any listeners, if if I have lost all my listeners by this point, I wouldn't be surprised. But... Like I mentioned, these are good teams. Wright State tied for first, along with UIC and Milwaukee, which, by the way, the Flames and the Panthers happen to go two out of three against their opponents, which UIC took on Northern Kentucky, the Norse one and two in Horizon League play. And Youngstown State was Milwaukee's dance partner. Panthers took that game, what, 14 to 7, I believe? You know, touchdowns. That's good for baseball, right? Like I mentioned, softball is yet to start Horizon League play. However, that'll change this Friday at 2 for a doubleheader as the Raiders will host the Phoenix of Green Bay. And that'll start at 2. You can come out to WSU Softball Stadium and, you know, say hi. I do have an event I'd like to share with you. If you don't have any plans this Saturday, March 24th, and you're close to the area, The Dayton Fire Hockey Team is celebrating 10 years of existence. The 10-year anniversary game will be Dayton versus the Toledo Jeep Hockey Club, 
The puck will drop at 5.30 at the Kettering Rec Center. I always love the Kettering Rec Center, the ice arena as I always call it, or the ice box as it says on center ice now, or it did when Wright State played there. Again, Dayton Fire Hockey versus Toledo Jeep Hockey, 5.30. And then afterwards, there's a birthday bash at Bar Louie at the Green. Free admission, donations accepted at the door, will help the Dayton Fire Hockey team continue and also help those in need for years to come. Great event, great people, and I highly suggest you come out. I will be PAing that event, and I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to it. I, I like I like the Dayton Fire Hockey team. Like I said, good bunch of people, and they do help out the people in need. Ten years of existence for Dayton Fire Hockey. So. Come on out, Kettering Rec Center. It's on the other side of the green on Glengarry Drive. And then afterwards, swing past Stroop. Meet the team at Bar Louie. And that will close up episode 34 rather nicely, I feel. You know, the madness of the month. Little college baseball, softball sprinkled in there. Hoops in Ohio high school scene. And I just talked a little bit more hockey. By the way, St. Ignatius is the state tile winner in Heist Hockey. I saw something very interesting. I think it's by Matt Sexton on Twitter. As he mentioned, he was covering the Dublin-Jerome game. He mentioned that there hasn't been a winner south of, what was it, Hancock County? South of Hancock County since 1999. And there's only been one state title winner in the Sunday area scene. And that's the Centerville Elks back in 1979. I was very surprised to see no state titles in Columbus. I mean, you got Upper Arlington. They've been around since the 70s. And they're led by a former National Hockey League player. He made the big time. The big show. It's not the big show, but... It wrestling joke, sorry. Episode 34 is way, way random. I don't know why that is. I think the week's gotten to me. I'm just excited to be back podcasting, I guess. That's my excuse. I don't know. But it's been great getting back on here, talking Sunday sports for the 34th time. Episode 35 will be recorded Saturday, possibly uploaded that day too, as... It'll be the Gem City Squadron and myself at the Yellow Cab Tavern at noon. I want to thank the people of Yellow Cab Tavern for allowing us to come out and have a good time. I know Ed Hooper and Tyler West are scheduled to be there. Hopefully we have more squadron members and hopefully might see you out there. So we'll see how that goes this Saturday. Looking forward to it. It will be the first podcast I ever record at a venue. Well, at the Yellow Cab Tavern, most definitely. But when I say venue, I've I've done two podcasts at South Metro Sportsplex. And again, it's it's I don't know. You make of it what you want, but I'm looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to getting back on this podcasting track. Here on the Gem on the Queen's Crown. 
You can reach out on Twitter. I'm at the Lee W. Mowen, and the podcast is at Gem on Queen Crown. You can like the Facebook page, the Gem on the Queen's Crown. Comments are welcome. Say you suck, that's fine. Constructive criticism, that's cool. I like that. Ratings on iTunes. Give me stars, I guess. Thumbs up, thumbs down. I don't know how the rating system works, but stay in touch because I want to grow this podcast into something special. This is Lee W. Mowen on the Gem on the Queen's Crown, and we'll talk to you again a little bit later on. Thank you for listening to the Gem on the Queen's Crown. Follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, the iHeartRadio app, TuneIn, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, Acast, Radio Public, Anchor.fm, Radio Line, Player.fm, Spreaker, Podbean, Podchaser, Overcast.fm, BeyondPod, Podbait.fm, and Listen Notes by searching Gem in the Queen's Crown. Like the Facebook page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown, and follow on Twitter, at Gem on Queen Crown. Follow the host on Twitter and Facebook at The Lee W. Mowen. Visit TheLeeWMowen.com and GemCitySports.com. Music provided by FreestockMusic.com. Music